All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. With uncertainty comes so many different types of emotions. And today I've invited Ivor Locke on the show to talk about dealing with uncertainty, whether it's from a personal perspective, work, career, family, economy, and the different ways that we can deal with uncertainty. Now, Ivor is a peak performance coach. He's been studying human behavior for over 19 years, has completed over 15,000 coaching lessons. And he has a has worked with many different people, which you've probably heard of, from Tony Robbins to Bob Proctor, coaches and has been coaching people for many years. Evil works, comes it comes at things from a psychological point of view, but even from a strategic perspective. Um, and evil, I think you should probably talk to talk, you know, probably talk about your your history. You'll probably do it a lot better than I, you know, than I can. But all I can say is I've been I've seen your work. Um, I've I've seen you talk, and it's I'm so excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and. Uh, you know, to talk about the topic of uncertainty is absolutely so essential uh, at any time of life, in a way. And when we really think about uncertainty, it's it's something that people don't like to to have, in a way. And um, but I'll explain that a little bit uh, later on why uncertainty is so important in in one's life and why we yearn for uncertainty, but yet we don't enjoy it in a way. Yeah, and, and before we before we jump into it, can you maybe give, for, for those that haven't seen you present or, or talk or, um, or or even seen some of the work that you've written, can you maybe give a bit of a background on your history and, um, you know, why something like this is such a, a, you know, a big topic that you're so passionate about? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Look, um, you know, uh, I always say that, uh when I first started out um, in, in my 20s, and um, I'm going to give my age away pretty soon, but when I started, really, I was what they call an angry, arrogant arsehole. And I didn't know how to deal with uncertainty, didn't know how to deal with people, didn't know how to deal with life, per se. And uh, until I actually got involved with personal development, um, and personal development has actually saved my life, in a way. And it's something that I'm really passionate about because I know that we can live a happier, more relaxed life every single day if we choose to. And that's the big word. And that when we choose to live that way, we can absolutely live that way. However, most people choose to live life on the on the other side, looking at everything that's happening from a negative perspective. You know, whether it's interest rates, whether it's not having enough money, whether it's having an argument with their, with their loved one or arguments with their children or, or having somebody do something to them or perceived having something do, done to them. And I think the way that we perceive life is so important because if we don't get a grasp of, 
of having and looking at life in a completely different way, we have this ability to actually what we call suffer. And most people at the end of the day are suffering because of the way that they view life. And what does uncertainty create all this emotion? I mean, I mean, I think the simple way to explain it would be that, you know, as humans, we, we like to be comfortable. We like routine. We like knowing what's around the corner. But is there more to it than that? Is there, is there, because to some people, they love uncertainty. Um, like f- for me, yes, I'm not massively comfortable with it, but I like the fact that next week things could be completely different to this week. Uh, whereas others, their comfort zone is very, very, you know, a lot smaller than that. And they absolutely hate it. A hundred percent. You know, the, the I think the, th- the thing is we, we love things to be certain, but let me put it in this way. Um, when we actually really look at certainty, and it's, it's really a fundamental human need. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about it all the time. He talks about our six human needs, and uh, one of them being certainty. And when we actually have a look at certainty, certainty gives us a bit of a, a, th- a thinking process and a, and a mental attitude that says everything is going to be okay. So when we look at certainty and everybody yearns for it, they want everything done in a certain way, they want it, it's called habits in a way. They want it done this way. They want it done that way. They want it done that way because they know what the result is going to be at the end of the day. Or they think they know what the result is going to be at the end of the day. However, when we have a look at certainty, and I'll ask you this question, uh, Michael, because it's really interesting, and I want all of your listeners to think about this as well. When you think about certainty, I want you to think about, so if you had to have your favorite meal, and it had to be your favorite meal, your last meal of, of, of your life, what would that be? And I'll throw that towards you, Michael. What would be your favorite meal that you'd have? Oh, for me, it would be, my wife makes this thing called mlukhiyi. It's like a okay. uh, Middle Eastern food. And it's, yeah, it's, if I know I'm having that for dinner, I don't eat all day. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I should come have some of that as well. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Well, look, the thing is, okay, that's great. So you, 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 you know, you know that that is one of your favorites. Okay. So what if I said I offered that to you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? How would you feel then? Feel great. Feel great. Awesome. So if I did that and I offered you that for a month, how would you feel? I'd feel okay. Okay. Probably want what something if I slightly different. You- probably want to spice it up a little bit, but. You want to spice, you're starting to spice I mean, it up. It's actually funny you say this. So just. Uh, my wife at the moment is interstate seeing her, her family and she's got the kids. Before she left, she made me a massive pot of this stuff. So I've literally had it for lunch and dinner for the last three days. Oh, fantastic. So it's actually really <laughs> ironic that you're asking me this question, but. <laughs> That's okay. But what happens if, if I say to you, all I'm going to give you is your favorite food every single day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next year? What uh, do yeah. you say then? I'd get over it. I'd want something. You'd get over it. Okay. You'd be like, oh, my God, I can't handle that. I'm done. Correct? Yes. Okay. Even although it's your favorite food. And this is the problem with everybody. They have this thing that they go, well, we like that and we want it continuously. But somewhere along the line, we kind of break away from it and go, wait a minute. We're not satisfied with that. We're not satisfied just to have our favorite. And remember, it's your favorite food every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next year. Now, there are some people out there that I know, uh, and I even say that even for those habitual people that have the same food, they will still seek some sort of variety at the end of the day, okay? So, as you can see, 
when we actually look at, at, at what we want for certain, in reality, what we're really seeking is a bit of variety, okay? And we, we call it in, 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 our, in our world, uh, variety is the spice of life in a way. And when you think of most people, when they go out to eat, they very seldom eat the same food constantly every single day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're always going to mix it up. So this is the one thing that, that the way that I can explain uncertainty, uncertainty is exactly the same way. We yearn for certainty, but yet we seek uncertainty more in a way. Okay, so that's the first mindset change that people need to make is that it's a natural occurrence to seek uncertainty. Because when you really have a look at it, you know, if you had everything happening the same way, your life would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? Okay, so when we're getting into this world, which which we perceive as being uncertain, really, it's just giving us variety. So when I actually coach somebody, I don't really coach them on on how to manage certainty. I'm, I, I actually coach him on how to manage uncertainty. I don't co- coach him to live an easy life. I coach him to be able to, what I call, weave through life and being able to manage what's actually coming at them. Because you don't know, you you love uncertainty, so you love that that whole process of something coming at you and then having to deal with it ultimately. Correct? Yeah, that's true. That is okay. true. But then but then there's people that you meet, for example, that have had the same job for the last 20 years. They eat the same thing for lunch. They have the same coffee in the morning. They wear the same clothes and they're happy. And they, well, they, they, they say that they're happy. And, and sometimes it's because they're scared. Well, very scared. Um, and again, I would still hesitate to, to say that even in with those people, they still seek some sort of variety. Hmm. You know, they might they might say, okay, well, I'm not uh, I'm gonna shave all my hair because um, you know I never need to worry about having um, a, a type of hairstyle, or I'll wear a certain type of clothes because I don't have to worry about those type of clothes. But those type of 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 methodologies you're going to put it out there is more of a strategy of how to save time rather than a strategy of 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 having um, certainty in a way. Okay. So somebody that says, okay, well, I've got, um, you know, five shirts, white shirts and, and five uh, black suits and, and I have, you know, seven of the same shoes that I wear all the time. Even in all of that, even although it's similar, it's not the same because in that they probably have a favorite pair of black shoes, a favorite black suit and a favorite white shirt that they probably want to wear in a way. And, and, and also, when it, when it, then if somebody's going through uncertainty, so from what it sounds like, the first one of the first steps is to w- w- remind themselves that this is normal and that and that we need uncertainty in our lives. Is that sort of the, the angle that you're coming from? Well, the the thing is, it's it's when uncertainty is coming at us. There's there's one thing that we've got to see, and we've got to see things as they are, because what actually happens is that. When, some, when something is coming at us, we generally try to, to, to measure it off against something happening in our past, or even worse, we, we then take it into something that's going to happen in the future, in a way. And I think future driving something is even worse than actually looking at the past and saying, well, this happened to me now, this happened to me in the past, so therefore it's not a good thing. 
what's worse is when when somebody takes it and says, okay, what's happening to me right now? And then future drives it and says, well, this is going to happen to me in the future. And that probably is the worst thing that somebody could do. Because when they future drive it, they're actually then inviting it into their life. They're actually going to create that path. They're going to create that future in a way. So when we actually think about when we're having uncertainty is sit down and the first thing that I say to people is breathe because we forget to breathe. You know, when something is, when you think of somebody panicking, for instance, all you got to do is get them to breathe because when you get them to breathe, it then settles them down. It's like a child. You got children? Yes. Yes. Three. You know, I got two beautiful girls. And when they're crying nonstop and we say to them, what's wrong? They can't explain anything to us, can they? No. Because they in this kind of like this, this whole kind of paradigm that they're not sure how to manage that emotion. And strangely enough, as adults, sometimes we throw tantrums and, and when we don't know how to manage our emotions in that period of time, we're throwing a tantrum and we don't know how to explain to anybody what's wrong. So the first step is really like, like with a child is to get them to breathe, to get them to breathe. And I always say to my kids, you know, when they always say to them, it's okay, it's going to be okay. I just want you to simply breathe. Because I think that's the easiest thing you can help anybody with is to get them to breathe. It's not hard. You don't have to be a psychologist to do that. You don't have to be some sort of wizard to do it. All you have to do is say to them, I just want you to take deep breaths. And when it comes to breathing, I guess it's the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes it could be even taking a mental breath, um, taking a break and just processing what's what's happened or what this uncertainty is that someone's dealing with. Because um, I can imagine as humans, like we, you know, when something happens, we straight away, there's that, you know, there's the neuro- neurological side of things in our brain, which is that quick, quick action or d- defense or, you know, putting up the guards instantly just to sort of deal with what's going on. But breathing, I'm assuming it just creates that opportunity just to sort of relax for a second and process what's going on. A hundred percent. It's calming down the nervous system in a way. Okay. And if you're listening to this at the moment and you have anxiety or you have like moments when you just absolutely what I call freak out, it just simply take some nice deep breaths. And it's not it's not like specific deep breaths, it's just like big belly deep breaths, like And if you take that breath now, it, it's it's very relaxing because most people actually don't take the time to breathe at all. You know, we so f- we we're moving through life so quickly and when we're moving through life so quickly, everything is just like 100 miles an hour. And when it comes to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, we just forget to breathe, okay? And as soon as you take that deep breath and you get anybody to take a deep breath when they're having anxiety, when they're having a moment, as I call it, a nice deep breath in and out. Once you do that, you do have a very calming sensation coming into your body, Okay. It's in that moment that you can then ask somebody, because we're then basically changing their state, okay? Because when people are freaking out, you've got to be able to change their state of mind and their state of being. So sometimes 
when somebody can breathe, you might want to then walk them over to another spot. It might not be far away. It might be like three meters away and ask them to do some more deep breathing because what you're then doing is you're disassociating them with that moment in time and providing a new moment in time, which is now a place of calm in a way. Yeah. So once you've got that, you can then go through the next state, which is really having a look and asking the question, so what's really happening right now? What's really happening right now? And then looking at it and, and seeing things as what they are right now. Not future driving it, not looking at the past, but looking at it right now. And I hear a lot of people, you know, they, they tell me this is happening and this is happening because of X, Y, Z. Okay. What's this got in this moment in time got to do with X, Y, Z? X, Y, Z happened in the past. This moment in time is brand new. So how can you relate what's happening right now to anything previous? And this is what happens a lot, actually, Michael. What actually happens a lot in it is that people take those moments and then they're related to all these other moments. And this is, this is what we call stacking. Yeah. So as we stack them and as we stack these bad moments together, we kind of, we, st we have this like heaviness on us. We carry this burden because we've got all of these stacked moments on us. And when you have all these stacked moments, how are you going to feel about that? If you're relating everything else that has gone, that's happened bad in your life to this moment right now, in a way. So you've got to assess where you are right now and then ask the next question, which is, so how can I see this better than what it is right now? Not that worse than what it is right now, better than what it is right now. Because if you can ask that one question, then you're actually now future driving it, but you're future driving a, a, a result that you'd want in the future. How can you make this better right now? And I think that that then borders onto the whole, you know, being optimistic about things and how, you know, you've got pessimists and optimists. And um, I think what, what you're explaining for an optimist um, would be probably quite easy for them to do because they can look at a situation and, um, you know, ask themselves, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Let's look at the opportunity in this. Um, but then there's there are some which you know there's many people that admit that they're they're pessimists. So you know if, when something happens, they they look at the negatives, um, and 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 how does someone like that look, look at this? Look at uncertainty, and you know for me when I talk to my clients and I talk about investing, for example, or changing jobs, I just ask them what's the worst that can happen. Let's think about that, and now let's look at the things that we can control, and then let's look at what we can put in place as contingencies um, or, you know, hedges in a way to, to, to minimize the risk of something bad having a ne negative impact on someone's life. Um, but if someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, this all sounds great, but, you know, they just can't help it when they just, they just, they're just negative about so many things. Like what can that person do? And I know, I know that's a very open-ended question and, you could probably talk about it for hours, but and each individual is different. Like there's no <laughs> single rule. But what can, how can that person, you know, or what, what advice would you give if you're coaching someone that admits that they're they're peasant, you know, they're very negative, um, they hate uncertainty, literally for this reason, you know, and they've they've tried to breathe. They're they're looking at things from a different point of view, and they're just still really really 
negative and they're still feeling down, you know, what type of, what other exercises or what other angles do you think that person can, can utilize to help deal with this uncertainty? That's a great question. And, and it all comes down to having gratitude. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. You know, because when we have a look at it, the one thing, and uh, this is a story that goes back to um, when I was an angry, arrogant arsehole, and my mentor at the time said to me, you know something, these two things I'm going to help you with. Number one, I'm going to help you smile because you're a miserable bastard. And number two is I'm going to going to get you to realize how grateful you should be about life. This is going back in time. This is going back in when, when I was uh, nearly 30 and I'm over, over 50 at the moment, uh, so 20 years ago. And one of the things that he got me to do was to read the obituary. Now, death notices, as it's really known, um, obituary view, you know, want to know the full word on it. But he got me, at that stage, we still used to read papers. People don't very seldom read papers these days. But he got, he came up to me. I was sitting at, at my desk, uh, actually at my accountant's desk, in an open plan office. He got me to stand up. Uh, actually, he didn't get me to stand up. He gave me this newspaper and he said, read this. And I said, what is that? And he said, uh, it's the death notices. So I said, okay, I'll read the death notices. So I started reading them. He said, I want you to read them out aloud. When I looked at him and I went, you asshole, pretty much. And uh, then I started reading them aloud. Then he said, actually, no, stand up and read it aloud. By then, everybody in the office had pretty much turned their chair and was looking at me. And I was a, a kind of a person at that stage of my life, which was, you know, everybody's going to judge me. Everybody's going to think bad of me. Everybody's going to, like, look at me and, and go, you, you're just absolute worse you know, the worst person on the planet. Anyway, I think he did it for a reason. He didn't only do it for my reason or for me, but he did it for everybody. And he got me to read this death notices aloud, and he got me to read every single one of them. And the one thing that he said at the end of them, which still stays with me today, is that, can you see now, Ivor, each one of these people will change their lives in a millisecond for your life. So be grateful that you're alive. Wow. Wow. And, and I could relate to a lot of what you're saying, not personally, but in that I've spoken to many people and it's, I mean, you even need to just read the stories and talk to people that are even going through a health crisis in their life. You know, you've got people sitting on their deathbed, for example. You hear stories. Well, I've heard many stories, people sitting on their deathbed. And, you know, the last thing on their mind is, you know, the the car they had or the the money that they made. It's 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 the other things. And it's and I love the word that you, I love that you bring up the word of gratitude because, you know, until you have that gratitude you sort of, or until you think about the, this gratitude piece, you sort of lose focus on what's important as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like, like what you said, you, you're reading, you know, the stories of people that have died. Um, and, you know, and I mean, at least the last of their worries was this uncertainty in the economy or the uncertainty around their job or uncertainty around what they're doing that weekend. 
Um, there's so many other things. And I think, yeah, as soon as you start looking at it from that point of view, I feel like the you start working out what's important in life as well. And and I talk to I mean, when I talk to clients about money, you know, we talk about money, 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 money. But and that's what a lot of people think we're going to talk about, you know, major, you know, primarily when they meet a financial planner. But the other things we talk about probably just as equal, if not more importantly than that, is their goals and what's important to them and their values, 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 and and all the other things that are connected to that. So it's not just materialistic; it's just something so simple like having freedom or peace of mind and I feel yeah you know so all these intangibles like gratitude 100% look we know that gratitude is is one of the most important things in life and uh, until somebody has that moment in time and I was blessed with having that moment in time when my mentor actually said to me you know you being alive every day is a gift so appreciate that ultimately and strange enough, it's now become a habit of mine when I actually wake up in the morning, I can move my body and I just do one thing. I say thank you. Just thank you. Because it is a gift. Every single day that you can breathe, every single day that you're above ground, every single day that you can celebrate this life, it's a gift. And we take it for granted. We take it so for granted that the next day we're going to wake up. But you know, the thing is, Michael, so many people don't. They don't, they go to bed and they just don't know that, that they're going to wake up the next day, you know. And I've had uh, a number of deaths in my family in the last couple of months. And it was a matter of having a conversation with them and the next day they're gone. So what, where is You've got to have the gratitude because you've got to live life. You've got to suck the juice out of life. And sucking the juice out of life means that you've got two choices. You can either go through life being happy or you can go through life suffering. And it is a choice. And it starts with gratitude, knowing that actually you being alive is a great thing. It's a gift. And then having a look at it and saying, okay, well, I have a situation. I have a situation at hand right now. Now, if you can't solve it, ask somebody that can, okay? These people out there that are immensely resourceful, immensely resourceful. And I know that I've, I've had many situations in my life where I thought that I could never solve those situations, but yet I found a way to solve them and resolve them. And it might not have been the best way to resolve them, but I found a way through it in a way, okay? We live in a world um, that, as far as I'm concerned, uh, is what I call first world problems, you know? Not having the internet is a first world problem. Um, I had a, a trip back to South Africa pretty recently, and um, and one of the things that were really stuck home was the fact that what we sometimes take for granted is not always in what we call, you know, de or developing countries or first world countries. Um, you know, for days we didn't have water. I mean, this is in a, in a, in a country that's supposedly developed in a way, okay? And some days we didn't have electricity. I mean, why? I mean, yes, sir, I can see that it is a, um, a problem 
and a problem for those people living in those in those countries. But you know, the thing is, what really stuck with me wasn't the fact that these people were without electricity and without water, but the resourcefulness of them. You know, they went off and the people that obviously could afford it, they got generators, they got batteries, they got solar systems. You know, my sister actually keeps a water tank where she actually pumps water into it so that if the water does actually run out, that you know, or they get no supply of water that she can actually tap into it. She, she's got battery units all over the place. She's got solar systems. She's pretty self-sufficient from the grid. But the thing is, I think a lot of the times we take life for granted. And a lot of the times, the problems that we perceive as problems, a lot of the times ease what I call first world problems. They're not real problems. They're just problems that we've created. And a lot of the times, Problems are created by ourselves rather than actually being truly in existence. And, and, and the thing is, I feel like, I feel like as well, this, let's say it's, it's a mental muscle. Like this, this, let's say this muscle is made up of gratitude, um, optimism, and positivity. Let's call it the GOP muscle. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, I feel like this is a muscle as well that, you know, it's, it's something that you need to work on. And as you work on it, it sort of strengthens as well over time. Um, and as we start moving out of our comfort zones more and more, um, we'll feel a bit more comfortable to, to keep, you know, embracing uncertainty. And, um, and, and sometimes it could be baby steps. But the more we exercise this muscle, and the more we utilize it, I feel like it'll probably become a lot easier for some people as well. Um, especially that person that's always had the same job, wears the same clothes, takes the same route to work, does everything exactly the same. Um, you know, that person shouldn't go and suddenly move overseas and, um, you know, find a wife and husband and get married and have kids within, you know, a few years. Like, you know, just yeah, like, yeah. we're not talking drastic changes, but we're just talking just small things because I'm assuming it becomes easier. Look, it doesn't have to be big changes. I mean, you know, gratitude is a very simple thing. It's just recognizing the fact that actually what can you be grateful for in your world? And uh, I always say, you know, um, number one, you you know, everybody can say if they can listen to this, they can go, we can be grateful that we are alive. Okay, but then what else can you be grateful for? I always say to people, have a look at the last 24 hours and really ask yourself, what can you be grateful for? Running water. Um, you know, a meal that you had to eat, you know, uh, maybe somebody gave you a smile, um, maybe you drive a car, maybe you've got a roof over your head. You know, these basic things that we sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes, you know, we've got to really come back into it and go, actually, we live in a beautiful world. And we have beautiful, we have a beautiful existence, in a way. Uh, I mean, compared to our forefathers and going back, you know, 100 years, you know, we're not exposed to the elements like, like we used to be. I mean, people were sleeping in tents and sleeping under trees and sleeping, you know, in, in, in caves in those years and used to be so exposed to the elements in a way. But really thinking about where we live right now, I think we, 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 we um, comfort creatures and, and we're so comfortable that if, you know, if the windows open is, oh, my God, it's cold, close the window in a way. Actually, wait a minute, that's, that's just the elements outside. The thing is, really just appreciating where you are and who you are and what you have right now. And just taking that and going, absolutely, I'm grateful for that. And sometimes even just writing it down, Michael, writing three things down that you're grateful for 
really does help. And just taking it further than that is really having a look at your life and then saying, you know, where the problem that I have right now is only a problem in this moment in time. And it's for as for long as I decide not to deal with it in a way. Okay. And, you know, when we actually think about, about, uh, I, I know some people, you said some people, you know, might have an ailment or they might have an illness that they're dealing with. But even that, there are stories out there of people being able to go through and, and, and still enjoy an amazing life, even suffering from some of their worst ailments in a way. And sometimes that, that is going to be their best learnings ever. And, you know, going through and managing uncertainties, getting that gratitude, seeing things as they are, but then remember to have a breath. Just breathe. You've got to breathe. You've got to breathe and, and really see the situation as it is. And then absolutely having that gratitude and, and making sure that you have gratitude every day is going to help. It doesn't help overnight. Um, and the thing is, you know, some people might, this might be the first time they hear this information. I remember when the first time I heard things like this, it was like, oh, no, that's a lot of BS. That's bullshit. I don't want to hear something like that. That doesn't work. Tell somebody that actually cares. Tell somebody that, you know, that's more, that's, that, that this can actually help. And I can tell you something right now, from a perspective, I was the worst of the worst when it came to somebody that had a negative mindset. I could see the negative in almost everything and turn a really happy situation into an unhappy situation just by finding the negatives in it. So... Me being an, an angry, arrogant asshole was created by me. It wasn't created by anybody else. But me being who I am today as being calm, happy, and relaxed and flexible, this is be created by me as well. So you can choose which way you want to live. You can either choose happy or you can choose suffering. And it's up to you. There's some very good points, Ivor. Like it's, I think you've you've touched on so many nuggets of gold and so many things that a lot of people listening to this episode hopefully will take away and try to implement in their lives. Before we finish off, do you have any um, any last comments or any last points that you'd like to to, to leave people with, um, or, or any or even any resources that they can tap into as well, if or, or, or people that they can tap into if they want a bit more assistance. On, on, on this on this topic look uh, people are quite welcome to find me on LinkedIn um, and send me a LinkedIn message um, you know my LinkedIn address is just Ivorlock uh, very simple <laughs> I-V-O-R-L-O-K find me on LinkedIn send me a message um, you want resources just send me a message um, there's heaps of resources out there the great thing about it is that as soon as you start seeking change you will find the teachers to help you to seek and find change. It's, it's the, the one thing that I, that I 100% know is when the student is ready, the teachers will come, but only when you're ready. So the thing is, if you're listening to this and going, well, this is a load of crap and I don't want to, I don't really care about it, that's fine. I acknowledge you, acknowledge where you're at, and I'm okay with that, okay? But just remember, it is your choice. Happiness is your choice and suffering is your choice as well. So you've got to decide. However, I know from 
helping hundreds of people and done over 15,000 coaching sessions, that change is possible. And change is possible rapidly as well. So it doesn't have to take years and years and years of study. You don't have to become a doctor or a rocket scientist to have change in your world. It can happen immediately and it can happen very rapidly. But it comes from having the right mentors and having the right people guide you through that. Because there are some people and, you know, people turn to YouTube and Facebook and there are some people that have a very negative block bent to life that say a lot of, you know, personal development is a lot of crap, you know, a lot of crap, if you want to put it that way. But from my perspective, I'm very sorry for you because I know that it works. Uh, it's worked on me. It's worked on a lot of my other clients. And I know that it. I don't say these things because it's only just what I've been through, but I stand on the shoulders of giants that have actually helped thousands of other people make the same sort of realization. But the one thing that I would say is that I probably know you better than you know yourself. And I've showed this a number of times to my clients where they've gone, we don't believe you, but know this one thing. I know you better than you know yourself because you are a, pers a person of habit and you do have things that are still going on in your mind. And if you haven't done any work around that yet, it will keep you will keep going around in the same circle and wonder why you can't actually get out of it. And the reason why you can't is because you keep running the same habitual patterns. Well said. Well said, Ivor. And, and, and again, I encourage anyone to, to get in contact um, with Ivor that's listening to this. I'll put your LinkedIn URL in the description of the episode as well um, to make it easier for them to find yep. you. Yep. Um, and uh, Ivor, with all my episodes, I like to finish off with a dad joke. <laughs> um, so, um, so I've actually got, this is from Christmas day. You know, there's, you know, when you get the, um, those poppers, whatever they're called. Oh yeah. Yeah. The cr Christmas crackers. Yeah. The crackers and you crack them open and there's jokes in there. Uh, my son gave me this and he goes, dad, you have to use this on your next thing. I said, okay. So actually funny enough, this is actually my first interview of the year. So I haven't had a chance to use it. Um, but, um, what did the clock do when it was hungry? I don't know. <laughs> it went back four seconds. <laughs> Uh, that is the most so typical Christmas cracker joke in ever. There was another one. I might as well read the second one. It says, What did the policeman say to his belly button? You're under a vest. I'm, a, I'm under a vest. You're under a vest. <laughs> it's, uh, lately, actually, on um, on Instagram, I've been going through reels, and then suddenly you see all these funny dad jokes, one, and it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's uh, But it's not for everyone, that's for sure. Oh no! We appreciate well, look, it because you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to you you've know? got to find the the funny part of life. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is uh, you know, part of life is is to see the the differences and and just to enjoy it. Ultimately. That's it. But I think even being dads, you know, I give you permission to use these with your kids. By the way, so <laughs> no, no royalties needed. <laughs> I'm not quite sure they get it. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, that's Dad, true. What do you that's mean true. by that? <laughs> What's a vest? But no, thank you, Ivor. Honestly, I appreciate your time so much. And, um, you know, it's you've sent such a powerful message out there today um, on this episode. Um, and um, I hope that, you know, you continue to spread the word and you keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. No, thank you so much for having me, Michael. And uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to serve you and your, and your clients and, uh, and your listeners. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us on sharing more than the sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.